everybody. Welcome back. Hello, this is T and Chris reporting back from the front lines. Yes, we braved the horror world of pandemic apocalypse to bring you all that rich comic and entertainment news that you so crave. Sure what he said. Also, this is a real extra. It was a terrifying world out there, cold and unforgiving. I mean, the theater was chilly. Hot lead poured from the sky, and the world was not, not but a desolate wasteland as far as the eyes can see. There were a lot of great parking spots, because there weren't really that many people there. Also, the movie theater wasn't selling food at the moment. That was horrific. All they offered was popcorn. I need more than popcorn. I want chicky nugs. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we we braved uh, the world of the pandemic, which, you know, we'll go ahead and a little bit of a, a, what is it when you like, like in like Jackass, they're like, warning, do not try. The, oh, yeah. The uh, like, there's a word for that. Uh, I don't remember. Thanks. I'm trying. You don't remember <laughs> it either. Why am I expected thanks. to remember it? Thanks for not remembering that word. Anyway. It's uh, a warning. It's a. Yeah. You know, obviously, if you're going to brave pandemic stuff, just be safe. We were safe. We had our masks. We social distanced. We brought hand sanitizer. The movie theater smelled wet. So I can only assume that's because <laughs> they're like steam cleaning the hell out of it all the time. Yeah. It's like when you go into a new apartment and they like just steam cleaned yeah. like a day ago. Yeah. And it's like, it feels humid in here. It's kind of how the movie theater felt. So it it's felt true. clean. Smelled clean. Um, it was weird because T just dyed her hair. And it was a very, like, odorous movie experience for me because the movie theater smelled like all the various cleaners they've been using and then tea smells like a blueberry. <laughs> I do. My hair dye smells delicious. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, obviously, disclaimer. That's what I... Disclaimer. disclaimer. That was the word I was looking for. Okay. So, obviously, disclaimer. We did brave the pandemic, but we were safe about it. If you would also like to brave the pandemic... If you like the idea of seeing a movie, especially the one we're about to tell you about, uh, then by all means do it, but be safe, be smart, uh, and keep your distance. But it is good to support your local theaters so that the theater industry can continue to kick ass. Yes. And the movie that we saw was New Mutants. New Mutants. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this one takes place in the Fox X-Men universe. It's the last of its kind. Yep. Um... Even Deadpool is now, I believe, going to officially be MCU. Um, I believe. I mean, they're talking about working on it, and I don't know if it'll ever happen. According to Rob Liefeld, it'll never happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's been so right always, forever. I know, right? Um, but this one, it takes place um, uh, surrounding a handful of mutants who just newly acquired their powers, a la New Mutants. Um, it focuses on people like Danny Moonstar and uh, Wolfsbane and Magic and all of these people when they're young and fresh-faced. And There's literally, are, there's only five of them and you named three out of the five. A cannibal, it's like, sunspot. Okay, there, fine. <laughs> it's like high-level cop-out energy right there. <laughs> You're like, I don't have time to mention all of them, but I'll just mention... Half. 60 percent <laughs> a 
Okay, fine. I named them all. There. <clears throat> um, they are in a hospital, air quotes, being treated by a doctor, air quotes, um, and <laughs> scary things start happening. Air quotes. No, those are pretty scary. Yeah, they're pretty scary. Um, where their nightmares become reality and start attacking them. Um, the pre-spoiler warning is that this movie was quite good. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I think they nailed the characters. Um, I don't know a ton about the New Mutants. Like, I wasn't really reading the New Mutants in the 90s. Um, just wasn't just wasn't really checking it out. There was a bunch of X books my brother and I were reading when we were kids, and that was just not one of them. Um, unfortunately, X-Man was, so that tells you my kidship taste. Um, but... Yeah, this was very good. I'm reading the modern New Mutant stuff. I've read like a few of the New Mutants one shots and stuff, and it felt very like true to form for the tones of the characters. Um, I thought the you know cast did well, the acting did well. There were moments of cheese, like there were some moments where lines were a little clunky, and like the you know Anya Taylor Joy's like russian accent was a little funky and stuff like that but um otherwise it was very good i gotta say definite definite star of the show was Maisie williams oh yeah she nailed it did so good she got my little heart brought tears to my eyes multiple <laughs> times she's so adorable in this role and it's just such a big like like separation from what we last saw of like Arya stark yeah being like all dark and savage savage and assassiny. Yeah. And here we've got, you know, Rain Sinclair being all sweet and presh. Delicate. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was it was absolutely adorable. Uh the you know, CGI was good, directing was good, the story was fine. Like it was a very character driven story. Um so there was a lot of character development. We found out a lot about these kids. And it fulfilled for me on what I hoped to get out of it with the horror elements. Yeah. Because I remember talking about it, like, way early on when it first got, like, revealed. I think even on the podcast. And, um, you know, that was the thing I wanted. I was like, this looks like our first real, like, super person horror movie. Which, when you think about it, a lot of, like, super villains and stuff that you could potentially bring to the screen could be pretty horrific. Yeah. Um... So it's weird to me that we've not had one that's been very, like, hefty in the horror um, outside of, like, Blade, which is still ultimately just an action movie on the backdrop of horror themes, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so I was very excited for that, and I feel like it delivered to the extent that I could. You know what I mean? Like, obviously there are limits when you're making, like, a superhero movie and you you know, want to keep it kind of open to audiences and you want it to fit into the niche of the superhero world and stuff like that. Um, but it's still, it had that nice tension to it that you get out of horror movies. And I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, I mean, I, you may have heard that it's getting a little bit panned by critics um, and there's, it's got a relatively low rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like 33 or something. But I honestly feel like, you know, there was so much going against this movie that what we got is considerably better and deserves considerably more 
support and levity than people are giving it. Um, you know, it does, it's a little bit predictable in points and like, like Chris said, there are instances where it's a little bit clunky and you can tell that they had to like change things in post or something like that to try and keep things consistent. And to the point where they even at one point they were going to have an after credit scene, but they had to scrap it because apparently having an after credit scene implies that there's going to be another movie and they're not allowed to imply that because there's probably not going to be another movie. So there's a whole lot there. Um, but it's, it is a good, it's fun. It's a good movie. Like it's an enjoyable romp and the characters are very relatable and fun to watch. And the acting was really good. And like, it does a good job of, you know, being both scary, but also sentimental, but also funny. Um, and staying very true to the X-Men line and, and, you know, mentioning X-Men stuff and, there's even I won't you know specify anything more than this pre spoilers, but there's even like a a usage of like a scene from another X Men title. Yeah. So yeah. like it it does a good job of kind of touching all of the bases you would want out of a like horror based mutant movie. So yeah. I I don't feel like it deserves the heat that it's getting. Um, it um I mean at the end of the day it's just become <clears throat> it's become vogue for people who get paid to write film reviews to not like things, especially yeah. things that are like blockbustery things. Highly anticipated. I There's such a severe disconnect between the things audiences like and the things critical minded people like and the critical minded people or the critics would argue that that's because society's dumb now and uh, I'm so smart. But that right there is the problem, right? Like it's, it's, there's built this idea into like modern art criticism that the less you like something, the smarter you are and it's a lot easier and there's a lot more room for poetic language in a scathing review than there is in a positive review these people honestly at the end of the day just want clicks you know yeah best way to get clicks is to find something that everybody likes make a title that says new mutants is a cat's wet ass (laughs) And they're going to be like, whoa, hold on. I really liked New Mutants. What's that all about? And they're going to get infuriated at all your eloquent, poetic slamming of this movie that was fun and you probably actually liked. But you just want to pick holes in it because that's what gets you that sweet ad revenue. I can see that. Yeah. I mean. Never trust the critics, my dude. Your best bet, if you want to, if you absolutely have to know. If something is good before you go see it, you have two options. One is cover B. Yeah. And two is cover B. No. Um, <laughs> one legitimately is people like us, like homegrown kind of grassroots podcasts. We're not, we're doing this review because we like it and we didn't want to share with you guys. We also admittedly tend to be people that are kind of easier to please. 
Admittedly, yeah. <laughs> we don't lean too heavy into like being overly critical. We'll tell you the things that worked and the things that didn't work. And there are other podcasts and YouTube channels out there that are just homegrown people that are fans, like the stuff, like movies, like comics, like fun things, like you do. And we'll give you the business. The other option is find somebody you know that is going to see it regardless. Yeah. You know, especially in fanship movies, Star Wars movies, Star Trek movies, comic book movies, whatever it might be. There are going to be plenty of people like yours truly that are going to go see it no matter what. Yep. Um, find those people. Wait for them to go see it. Ask them. Ask somebody that you know and respect. Don't ever not go see a movie because a critic who gets paid to write criticisms about movies told you not to go see it. It's always more trustworthy to go off of like I would I I'm more I have more faith in like the IMDB score mm -hmm. or the like Google rating or the like yeah. generic the like fanship Rotten Tomatoes, the non-critic Rotten Tomatoes scores, like those are just people, and even those can get really touchy depending on the type of movie because sometimes you get toxic fandom that goes in there yeah. and skews results. So yeah. like it really depends on the movie, but more often than not, I find that those more align with my opinion of a movie than the critics ever do. Yeah, but yeah, I I don't think this deserved the negative reviews that it got. Uh, did it do anything really exceptional to the superhero genre? That's something that I always come back to when we go see these movies because at this point, the superhero genre is expansive. There's yeah. a lot of stuff coming out. And honestly, while it may seem subtle, I think this one did very much. We haven't really had a super heroics movie that involves people learning what their powers are that are also afraid of their powers that aren't either assisted by somebody who has powers and knows what they're doing or the only person in the movie with powers. And yeah. here we have five people who some of them are better at using their powers than others, but ultimately they're all trying to learn. Ultimately they're all kind of afraid of their powers with the exception of magic. Who's not afraid of anybody, um, <laughs> you know, and they're trying to grow together. And I, th I think that's an interesting thing to see. I can't think personally of a superhero movie that has done that, where everyone's, they're very aware powers exist. They're very aware of the power structure of the super person world, but they're all not sure where they fit in the mesh of things. Yeah, um, it's been done. And I mean the horror elements in and of itself. Like we haven't really had a good like super person horror movies. It's not it's not something that we've had. Uh, before we dive into more spoilery talk about specific story elements, uh, I just wanted to say that it this movie drips with Buffy influence. Oh yeah, it does. And to the extent where there are two moments where Buffy's actually on in the background. Yeah. Um, and you just feel it. It, oh, it, absolutely. it felt very much like that show feels where it's people trying to learn how to live in this new world that's been thrust upon them of yeah. like vampires and shit are everywhere. Oh my God, our school's on a hell mouth. Ah, um, <laughs> you know, and it, 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 it very much felt like that. Here you have a group of teens that are dealing with teenage things as well as like, 
kind of being mismatched and trying to figure out where their friendships can work when they're all from different backgrounds and stuff like that. And then horrible monstrosities are getting thrown at them. It, it, it felt very, it felt like that kind of character dynamic. And it just, it really worked. Like, I, I think it, it was very, like, in a weird way, it was a lot more wholesome than I went in expecting. Yes, I absolutely understand It had that. this, like, you know, the trailer had, like, I think Pink Floyd as a background music, like a very airy, like, choral Pink Floyd. Yeah. And, you know, the... Uh, the the logo and the posters and stuff had spray paint everywhere and it was very like you know youth and revolt kind of stuff edgy and i was like man this is gonna be grunge af this is gonna be you know edgy this is gonna be like skater punk with snicked and bamf and <laughs> you know this is, this is gonna be like a ramones music video where she can teleport and <laughs> it wasn't that it was a lot more like uplifting sweet. and friendly and sweet yeah it was a lot more sweet uh than i thought it was going to be and it you know at its core like i said about buffy it was about teens trying to figure out who they are and where they belong in this overall larger world yeah and doing so together with people that they can relate to who have had similar trauma and then you know obviously and we'll talk about this a little bit more there was a lot of you know a lot of subtle notes of, you know, people with mental health issues helping each other through crises. Um, but yeah. And so now, wee woo, insert spoiler alert. Now we're going to talk a little bit more spoilery. Um, so if you don't want to be spoiled, you are welcome to bail out now. That's completely fine. And we'll see you on the next episode. For those mm -hmm. of you who are have either either already seen the movie or are totally down with some spoilers, let's get into it. Yep. So, um, I guess my first kind of like spoilery commentary is, I guess if I had to pick something, I was a little wonky on, um, and it might come from I don't know if this is part of Ilyana's background, but like the whole smiling men concept. Seemed like a weird alteration of a character background just to have like a spooky yeah, character. I don't like I get what they're getting at that like those men didn't actually exist, that she recreated her abuser into a monster because she was such a little girl at the time. Yeah, yeah. She saw these like sexual abusers as these creepy, long-fingered, tattooed, creepy, smiling men. Yeah. And that's fair. I get that. But I don't know if she actually had... Yeah, I don't know like if that if was that, actually in... If being like sexually trafficked was actually part of her background. Yeah, I, I just... Know. I feel like it would complicate things considering she was uh, Colossus's sister. So if they did want to continue this on and eventually wanted to connect the two characters, it would just kind of complicate things, right? I guess maybe they felt like they didn't have to connect them because technically, yeah. like, if you look at it, you know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch weren't ever going to happen True. in that universe. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they were like, well, we've already effed so much of this up that yeah. maybe we'll just disassociate I guess it entirely. Just, yeah, it just kind of feels par for the course yeah. for um for where the Fox X-Men universe was going. 
I honestly think the best thing for your X-Men stuff is to just not exist for a few more years. I know that's not yeah. what everyone wants to hear and everyone's gunning to like make Taron Egerton Wolverine and crap like that. But like, I mean, I'm okay with that. <sighs> um, <laughs> we don't, we just don't need that. We need to get some distance. We do. There it's needs to be true. distance there. We had a run of really good, some quasi good X-Men movies. You know, Logan was fantastic. New Mutants was really good. Apocalypse and Phoenix were awful. Yeah, they were so bad. Days of Future Past was great. You know, First Class was pretty darn good. So it's it ended on a higher note than a lower note. Right. And that's good. Um, and now I think it's just time to shut that book, put that on the shelf, and we'll come back to it when the Avengers stuff starts getting stale. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, and it's it's good to give time because you have one of two things that could happen. And it's more likely that the bad version is going to happen than the good version, which is if they start to like reboot stuff or try and like pigeonhole it to fit, you're either going to have one of two things. You're going to have the transition from Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield and it doesn't work and everyone's not happy about it and it doesn't end up going well. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just want to forget it ever happened a la every time they touch the Fantastic Four or you'll get a Tom Holland from Andrew Garfield and everyone's like, yeah, this makes sense and this works. But so rarely does that happen yeah. that you're much more likely to have another Fantastic Four fiasco. And no, nobody wants that. Yeah. Just leave it alone. And I, you know, so at the end of the day, I get what they were doing with Ileana. But I guess for me, I am a little bummed because I knew from the trailer because I saw like all the different characters having their own like weird like hallucinations that were very pointed. I knew it wasn't going to be like a ghost in the facility or something. Um, but from what I know of Ileana's background is that at one point, because her teleportation basically is her cutting through limbo, she got kidnapped and basically kind of uncomfortably groomed by a dude named Belasco, who I think is like the leader of limbo and like a very magical dude. And Limbo is a seriously, like, effed up place where there's, like, demons and also reality is kind of funky and, like, imagination stuff can come true and things like that. And they nailed Limbo. Like, Limbo is really cool. Yeah. I thought the whole, like, magic-created Limbo thing was a little weird. But, again, that's kind of just par for the course for... That was honestly the first time we had something to that caliber in the Fox X-Men stuff. That's true. The Fox X-Men stuff has always been very grounded and very kind of, like subdued yeah so having a character that literally can teleport large portions of the area around her to an imaginary world where she her dragon puppet becomes real life that's crazy that's a big step for them and i was impressed that they went that far with it that said i kind of had hopes going into this that all these like hallucinations and the demon bear and the smiling man and all this were going to be coming out of limbo and it was going to be Velasco trying to get back at magic. And he was going to be the like surprise kind of like bad guy of this right. whole thing. Um, it was not. <laughs> but I do dig the again. Danny Moonstar's whole thing of taking nightmares and taking dreams and stuff and making them reality is a big step for the Fox x-men universe that is very true you know i i think true. that's the one thing that stands out to me is that going into this movie they took a 
big leap in the suspension of disbelief. It was a big risk, realistically. Um, because they hadn't really played around with characters like that. And no. there are a lot of those in the X-Men. I mean, Proteus, one of the X-Men's like bigger villains, that's his whole thing, is like altering reality. Scarlet Witch, that's her whole thing, is yep. altering reality. And, you know, there's a lot of that out there with the X-Men. I mean, Quentin Quire, to an extent, can do that kind of stuff. Phoenix things can do that kind of stuff. You know, Franklin Richards is a mutant that can literally create universes. Right. And so the mutants have the capability. I think Phantom X, I think that's his, I think his whole thing kind of deals in that too. But I don't know much about Phantom X, so I might be talking out my butthole right now. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like they they never really went so extreme with the X-Men. And right. we've had so many Omega level mutants on screen. But with a few exceptions from Fossbender's Magneto of like doing really Extravagant epic things. things, we're talking about, I mean, Magneto in the comics has like flooded the globe by altering the magnetic poles and like killed thousands upon thousands of people and literally like ripped meteors out of the sky and stuff like that. that I mean funny. in a recent in the recent Empire tie-in, he has magma erupt a volcano and then has Iceman cool it and hurls all that freshly cooled iron at like spaceships and stuff. Oh my god. That's he also awesome. crushes a dude with like four satellites. So like that's the level that Magneto can get at. Yeah. We've never really seen that. You no, know, they even never let him get to that point. Even Phoenix, aside from like exploding dudes in close proximity, you don't see her doing a ton of like really Phoenixy thing. We're talking about the Phoenix, which has wiped out entire planets. Yeah, they really neutered the Phoenix force. <laughs> and we never really saw Phoenix do a lot of that crazy stuff. So it's yeah. like I don't know. I, I I thought that that definitely stood out to me that it was it still felt kind of confined in that Fox universe. Right. Um but it was they were really taking some steps. Yeah. Into was, some like like those characters are really like different than what we've seen yeah, already. They pushing, you know. They were pushing limits that they hadn't pushed before. Um probably my favorite part of the movie was actually a part that I don't believe is uh, typically canon for comics, but I really enjoyed it, was the relationship between Danny Moonstar and Rain. Yes. Um, they yeah. allow them to be in a lesbian relationship. Um, they fall for each other. It's young puppy love, pun intended. Um, and it's adorable. And I have to give it up to Maisie Williams. She killed it. And... It's so funny because Chris mentioned the like Buffy vibes and that they actually introduced like scenes from Buffy. And mm -hmm. what was so fun for me is obviously how much Maisie Williams took from Allison Hannigan's portrayal of Willow. <laughs> yeah. Because like yeah. facial expressions and mannerisms and the way she would talk, I'm like, oh, this girl watched a lot of Buffy. <laughs> That's true. Like it, it's so interesting, just like the way she would doe-eye, I'm like, man, that is that is full Willow right there. Like, it's perfect, and I love it. And they, like, they show a clip of the scene where Willow and Tara, like, kiss on screen, which I think was one of the first times, like, a lesbian couple had kissed on television. It was on the CW. It was, like, a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, like, 
it was it was just really cool. I thought they handled it really well. It didn't feel out of place. It didn't feel shoehorned. It didn't feel awkward. Mm-hmm. It just it felt very natural and very representative and very just it was just cute. It was just so sweet. Like the relationship was just cute and sweet and wholesome and it just made you like really enjoy the characters and like feel very sympathetic to the fact that yes they're mutants and they have these powers and they don't know what they're doing and everything's crazy but you know what else is crazy falling in love for the first time yeah like finding your person for the right now like that's crazy that feels magical that might feel more important than being able to turn into a dog like (laughs) yeah Maisie Williams Wolfbane is like one of my favorite characters I've seen in a movie it in a long so time. I wanted so only the best things for her. I was rooting for that character from start to finish. She was adorable. Like her trying to get Danny out of the coma was like the sweetest thing. So cute. Um, yeah, it was. It was. She killed that role. It was Absolutely. So good. It's and that's the thing, right? Is like I really liked this crew, and that's kind of like in a weird way this movie was super bittersweet because it's not gonna be a new mutants too i know you know what i mean there's no way the only chance that there would have been any hope of getting that crew back to do more new mutants would be if that movie made like millions of dollars millions upon billions of dollars and unfortunately and with a mix of bad critical reviews and a a pandemic and the amount of reshoots and stuff, and the fact that a lot of people are just going to write this off as like, oh, whatever, I'll watch on HBO Max because it's not like there's going to be a new Mutants 2. It's just not going to happen. And it's a real bummer because they all did... A great job. I don't recall all the actors' names, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy did a great job as, um, as Magic. Like I said, she has a few points where her accent gets a little funky. Um, but I thought she did a really, really good job. She was a little stone-faced at times, but it kind of worked. It did. Um, it absolutely did. She um, she played the, like, the biatch role. The gentleman that played Cannonball, whose name is... Charlie Heaton. Exactly. Good good Christian impression. Thank you, T. <laughs> um, he, the, the fella from uh, Stranger Things. He did a good job. And I am from Kentucky. And people don't... I I am from Kentucky. I've lived in, I moved from Kentucky, the Kentucky, Indiana area to Georgia, lived there for a few years and now live in Florida. People don't understand this, especially people who aren't from Southern states, but there are a lot of different Southern accents. Yes. And I thought Charlie Heaton did a, he got a little Texas sometimes, but I thought he did a really good job staying very Kentucky. He did. He got the like weird, this is said with love. But sometimes the Kentucky accent has weird endings on words. It does. Uh, no, it 100% does. <laughs> and but he it, got those, and I was like, oh, that's how he got like, a, this is not so much, family. Not so much, yeah, not so much Texas, but he got a little Tennessee from time to time. And, um, but yeah, he, he nailed the Kentucky accent very, very well and did a good job. And I loved the representation of his powers because it cool. wasn't, they made it feel fast. And that's cool. Like, uh, that's hard to explain. Like, it's kind of like um, 
Quicksilver's sequences in the other movies always did a really good job representing speed, right? Right. Because you would slow everything down and it was, it was really scenes. it was really cool. Um but sometimes when it's like I'm moving super fast, it just kind of looks like generic like Superman flying very fast or Thor flying with Mjolnir out of nowhere and stuff like that and it's just like, "Oh, cool." But this like the lighting effects they used on it, the fact that there were some times where he'd charge up and then the camera would pan and there would just be like a wake of destruction. But he's like gone right. in like a millisecond. Like that that was really cool. I thought they handled that really well. And then, um, oh yeah, there was, let me tell you the name of this actor who played Sunspot. Um, uh, Henry Zaga. It's like I continued talking. <laughs> there wasn't an awkward pause there as I was trying yeah. to go backwards. He played Robbie really well. You know, he had the whole like rich Brazilian boy thing down. I wish we had gotten more like fully souped up sunspot, but I'm actually kind of glad that this movie didn't rely too heavily on the superheroes using their powers to full degree the whole time. Because I think that was kind of the point. They all kind of came together at the end. To figure it out. To figure out what and how their powers work. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, the actor who played Danny Moonstar. That was Blue Hunt. And she, one of my favorite parts about this is that, as you know, Danny Moonstar is a Native American character. Mm -hmm. And Blue Hunt is a Native American That's actor. fantastic. And I, I love the representation. So why did, um, I saw an article that was complaining about whitewashing in this movie. I don't, I don't know because I don't think I get that because Blue Hunt is Lakota. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So like I don't um, know what they were. If you if you read any of those articles, I'll have to look into that. Uh, That's a little weird. Put in the comments that they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> I don't and know. Henry Zaga is a Brazilian actor. Yeah, yeah so, so I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure. Maybe because Charlie Heaton's not from Kentucky. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up now. I want to see if I don't know. Is. Yeah, that I saw. I didn't want to. I didn't want to read it because we hadn't seen it yet. But oh well, I mean, Charlie Heaton is from the UK, so maybe they're a little maybe, freaked out about that. that. I, don't I, don't I didn't witness any whitewashing, but it may just be that I don't know what someone, some comic character's race is supposed to be. But we'll uh we'll look at that. But um yeah and. Danny Moonstar was incredible. She did a good job leading the movie, especially in a movie that has a lot of really like powerhouse talents in it. I mean, Charlie Heaton and Anya Taylor Joy, Maisie Williams, they're like household names at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, all of them coming out of like very successful roles and things. Um, and I don't feel like I've seen this girl anywhere, and she did a really good job. There was, like I mentioned earlier, there there was some cheese in this movie, and one of Probably the biggest moments of that was towards the end. And it was actually when Danny wakes up from her coma and confronts the the uh demon bear in the church. Um it was just a little it wasn't it wasn't delivered well. It was a little bit too like after school special, like I overcome my fear. I control my fear. <laughs> and it's like, I get where they were going with it, but it could have been, I don't think she was, she was a good actor. She is a good actor. 
I don't think she is a strong enough actor to make that kind of very after school special, very cheesy moment feel not cheesy. It wasn't emotive enough. It was a little bit too subdued in my opinion. And it was just kind of a cheesy resolve of that whole like very epic moment where this demon bear is like tearing ass through this chapel. Um, but otherwise it was cool. Like I, I don't have any complaints. I'm so stoked that we got a real Lockheed. That was such a oh, good. My heart was a flutter. Such a good note to end on um, for the Fox X-Men stuff to That's have so like cool. an actual little purple dragon floating around. He's so cute and I love him so much. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to not be able to get Lockheed hanging out with Kitty Pride, at least you can have Lockheed hanging out with magic. I'm totally fine <laughs> with know? it. I Did you it. find what was going on with... No, I'm even more confused, actually, because... So I was thinking, oh, well, maybe the actor who played Danny's dad, but he's Aboriginal Canadian. Hmm. So he's also technically Native American. So, like, I don't... I don't understand... Yeah, I don't know. ...what the whitewashing is. It might have just been stupid... Yeah, that's a little weird. Internet trolling. Yeah, that's a little weird. I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up, and if I find anything, Here, I'll show New Mutants co-creator slams Josh Boone movie for whitewashing. Oh. Uh, okay, so this is from co-creator Bob McLeod. Um, he was apparently, and for the shout-out, I'm reading this off of Metro Entertainment. So okay, okay. shout-out to them, and the writer is Louise Griffin. So shout out to her. Read her article. Uh, Bob admitted he was disappointed with certain aspects, especially the characters' appearances. Uh, Bob wrote in a statement on Facebook, I was very excited when I heard they were making a New Mutants movie. I thought making it into a horror movie was perhaps an interesting idea, but not at all how the characters should be introduced to the public at large. But hey, my character's in a movie. I never would have thought that would actually happen. But then I was disappointed when they didn't give Danny braids, although I like Blue Hunt. I was disappointed when Rain wasn't a redhead with spiky hair, although I adore Maisie Williams. I was disappointed that Sam isn't tall and gawky, although I do like Charlie Heaton. But mainly I was very disappointed that Roberto isn't a short and dark skin isn't short and dark skinned. Yet another example of Hollywood whitewashing. There's just no excuse. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Bob. That's really specific. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can see the argument for wanting Robbie to look a certain way, you know what I mean? To right. be more approachable to people who also look that way, but Provide casting representation, casting a Brazilian actor to play a Brazilian character is a huge step towards not whitewashing things. So I'd be interested to see a discussion on to what degree does whitewashing actually play a factor and yeah. what degree is it more just, we need a Brazilian actor and that, and I guess that boils down to the production teams and the casting people. And the intent behind the casting. Their, yeah, their intention behind casting who they cast. Did he just do the best in terms of other Brazilian actors who got callbacks? Or did they cast him because he was lighter skinned? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I, I mean, 
It is true. I mean, Robbie in the comics is does have a darker complexion. He's got long, dark hair, you know? Yeah. That is it how is he is. Interesting. But I mean, we also have Bob Mechliod being like, I wish Cannonball was gawky. <laughs> I wish the Scottish girl w- had spiky red hair. Wah. I mean, I gotta say, like, I I think Charlie Heaton is kind of gawky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, He's okay. A lanky. I, mean, I get you it. Know? You created these characters. And it, it probably is super jarring, especially when you are working in a visual medium. You know, it, it's... I don't know if it would be the same for George R.R. R. Martin, for instance. Like... Tyrion Lannister does not look anything like how Tyrion Lannister is described in the comics, except for his height. Yeah. Or in the in the books, yeah. except for his height. He's like hideous and deformed, malformed in in the comics. Like that's a big huh. thing. Like okay. he's like missing a nose and stuff. Um, quote unquote hideous. I mean, everyone's beautiful inside. Plus, I love Tyrion, <laughs> so I can't really call him hideous. Um. Plus, he gets a lot of ladies, so who knows? Uh, but he's, you know, he's got things effed up in his face. And there's, like, characters with, like, various scarring and right. appendages missing and stuff that didn't translate over into the show. Does he feel the same way as somebody who literally created the image of this character? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting concept, but it... um. I don't know. I mean, I've been reading New Mutants. I feel like they got the representation fine, you know. Yeah. Um I mean, I was I was honestly concerned that we weren't going to have an Irish rain to begin with and then yeah. the minute Maisie opened her mouth, I was like, "Yay!" I, I did a little cheer in the theater. Yeah, I um Yeah, I don't know. I I think the only real like that doesn't feel like that character to me was Danny was a bit more gentle than what I've seen Danny, but at the same time, I'm reading Danny as like team leader Danny from like the Uncanny X Men run before Age of X Men and from now. New Mutants now, where she's like one of the leaders and stuff. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. I don't know how Danny started. I wasn't reading comics when Danny was like fresh to the team. Right. Um, you know, so I don't know. Also, Sam was very... Cannonball was very sad. <laughs> I know it stood out to me. Cannonball's always more, like, peppy. But yeah, that was that, part of the that story. Yeah, stood out to me, too. So, I, I thought um, that, was, that was a little jarring for me as well. So I don't know. You know, hey, that's an interesting discussion topic. If you're listening to this and you want to jump in on the discussion, please let us know what you think. Comment Should, on our Facebook or Twitter or shoot us a, a message. Comment is, on our yeah, blog. is casting people who are racially appropriate for the roles that they are cast in enough? Or do we need to fit more into the mold of what the artist of the comic originally decided? How much variation from the physical appearance of a animated or, you know, illustrated character into a cinematic character? is allowed before it takes away it starts from the to value. be too safe or yeah take away from the value of that character let us know yeah. that's an interesting conversation point and i'd honestly, be interested to know what people think that's a really good way to segue out of here i think 
Yeah, let's shuffle. Now that we're talking about race, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. No, I mean, race is always going to be a discussion, especially in these mediums and in these trying times that we're having. And it's right. important to be able to have these discussions with you know, old white guys like Bob McLeod, who he has the best intentions. He thinks that the inclusion could have been better strictly based off of the complexion of the gentleman playing a role. Right. But at the end of the day, he's an old white guy. He's not a Brazilian teen. He doesn't know how Brazilian teens are going to react to a Brazilian teen that's right. character in a movie. So that's why it has to be an open discussion. What you know, it's one of those uncomfortable, not really uncomfortable, but just kind of like ongoing things that we have to talk about to keep people in Hollywood in line so they don't keep casting Scarlett Johansson as Hawaiians or whatever. Or literally Oh, no, everyone. wait, it was, uh, it was, oh, who was it that got cast as a Hawaiian? Emma Stone. Emma Stone got cast as a Hawaiian. Scarlett Johansson got cast as a Japanese one. Yeah, uh, there's a meme on Facebook where it's the entire cast, like they were doing like a casting of The Last Airbender, like a remake, and it's just her as everyone. <laughs> it's just Scarlett Johansson, male, female, yeah, any race, yeah, every why not? Race. It's I just mean, Scarlett Johansson across the board. She I, herself I mean, has said that she should be allowed to play whoever she wants, and people need to chill out. Yeah, she's. Else. She's got a real Harry Shearer outlook on acting. Yeah. All these actors need to just like, look, you're going to get work still. <laughs> you're you're like a founded, like Harry Shearer dog. You're like 70 something years old and you've been getting that Simpsons money. <laughs> forever. Forever. You know, like you've been getting voice acting money for God knows how long you have a handful of movies that you've been a big part in as well as various other TV show things. Like just let it go, bro. If they, if the Simpsons guys come and tell you, Hey, we're not going to have white actors voicing black characters anymore. Don't make a stink. Let <laughs> it go. Just take a step back. If the world starts if the world starts moving in the direction where Scarlett Johansson isn't allowed to play a North Korean woman, then you know what, Scarlett Johansson, your world's going to keep turning and them paychecks going to keep coming in. It's true. There are true. going to be plenty of white characters for you to play. Stop crying. <laughs> Don't cry into your, like research for a character chai tea and just like take a step back okay and i mean scarlet you're one of the few who still works with woody allen so you'll always have work oh. uh anyway whoa yeah we should segue Burn. before we say something Burn. anyway we'll regret that is gonna do it for this this evening um if you want more cover b come and hang out on our website coverbpodcast.com we've got past episodes we have literally 79 episodes talking about comics now at this point it's kind of insane we've got real extras we've got powered gamings we've got key issues we there's so many things we rant about you should probably come and hang out um you can also find us on facebook and twitter at cover b podcast and if you like video games you can watch us on our variety live stream on twitch at tink tink games uh we stream six days a week and there's always something going on um, and then every other Sunday, including this upcoming Sunday, we do a 
live stream RPG of the Star Wars Fantasy Flight RPG, and it is super fun and super silly and super funny and a good time all around. I play a space cowboy. He does. It. You're. I play cowboy? a cowboy. I play a space hillbilly. You. Yeah. Yeah. It's. You're kind of like space Nick Offerman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like. A slightly more country space Ron Swanson. Yeah, it's it's great. It's I enjoy it. Uh, and I play a just sort of angry chick who likes to blow stuff up. It's very part of the course. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we will have another episode for you on Saturday. I'm assuming there are going to be enough comics to discuss oh, yeah. this week. It's a, it's a big week, too. So cool we'll have stuff. plenty to share. So come back and join us for the next episode of Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.